My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. Again, with your, Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, and it's like therapy, you know. If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. Yeah. So, who are we talking about today, Matt? growing and shifting fabric of society, spinning, bending, and folding, flossing its red thread through your candy-coated teeth as your plastic brain is putty in the cold metal hands of psychotronic devices, lasting chaotic frequential blare, clamoring and clattering, braying your moldable mindscape, all while you sit, eyes and mouth agape, allowing the psychotropic culture drip morphenic ectoplasm to suffocate your creative spark. Wake up, sleeping masses, from the pop fascination. It's a blazing apparition of hellfire leading moth men, moth women, and moth in-betweeners to their unglorious demise. Here in the western sector of subjective cultural reality lies an occulted codex at play in most of the entertainment that attains your focus. Return to the real. Return to the real. And returning to this show is an author, podcaster, and researcher working to crack these codes and expose the true meaning hidden in our pop culture. Isaac Weishaupt returns, joining me, Mystic Mark, here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Thank you for listening and enjoy this episode with Isaac Weishaupt. You have this global mass induction of fear of death, which is very similar to, you know, skull and bones. It's, it's you basically the whole world was put in inside of that casket inside of that coffin and then it plays out the ritual is the psychodrama and it changes the whole world and alters the minds and it activates parts of your mind that you aren't even aware are being activated and and look I, i'm no i'm no neuroscientist I, I don't understand how all this works but they study you know freud and young and all these people that really do understand how this works but it's also part of like an alchemical transmutation they transmit symbols and ideas and this information this 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 transmission happens and society comes out from the ritual reborn into a new new world the illuminati decide like look now's a good time as any let's go through this this mass psychodrama ritual uh, because they know whether they want to take the new world
let's get started, man. No need to go, man. That sounds good. We got a lot to talk about. Exactly. So Isaac Weissup returning here on the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast. He is the host of Conspiracy Theories and Unpopular Culture. He's also the host of a show that he does with his lady. Remind me of the name of that show and tell us how you're doing today, brother. Hey, man. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, you mentioned the flagship show, and then I started a show called Breaking Social Norms. Right, right. Where it's it's me and my wife. She is the, she is the normie sheeple, and she's actually a little more aware of some of these ideas than most, but she definitely... It, it's a great show because it slows me down because she like, we'll talk about the subject and she'll be like, well, pump the brakes. Who the hell are these people? What are you talking about? And it's stuff that a lot of people like you, like you and me and a lot of people in, in the audience, a lot of people probably know a lot of these, these names, like, you know, Jack Parsons, the Knights Templar, the Baphomet, like we're all very familiar with these terms, but the normal sort of folks getting into this field of study, they have no idea. So it's really good in the sense that she slows me down and we can go into trying to understand the fundamentals of these ideas. Cause they're very important. And that's probably half of the shows we do. The other half are more kind of fun type shows, or we do discussions about marriage and sex. We're both very, you know, open-minded, open books, you know, so we talk about all kinds of stuff, but yeah. I, and then I also have the third podcast I do once a month on Rockfin inside the mind of a conspiracy theorist where that is a little more behind the scenes, I guess you'd say. It's more self-help, spirituality, stuff going on behind the scenes of making conspiracy theories in an unpopular culture. So there's there's three shows now. You know, I'm, I'm taking the Sam Tripoli formula and just adding more shows to the to the mix, which I don't know how he does it because I'm exhausted with three. I hear you, man. Yeah, I do a couple myself and it is hard to, to juggle them all, but you do it well. And I think you got a good balance there. You know, it's nice to include your family with this show. The title, my family thinks I'm crazy. We tend to bring a lot of people in who have trouble discussing these things with their loved ones. So to see you sharing all of this insight with your woman, I mean, your, your wife, that's awesome, man. So yeah. I haven't tuned into that show yet, but here is my promise. I'm going to check that out and I'm going to make sure my girlfriend sits down and listens to it with me. So we're going to add that to the itinerary. But for today, we got a, a bunch of different things we want to get into. First thing I wanted to ask you, you know, we see a lot of people doing conspiracy research in a certain style nowadays. I'm sure you see people doing stuff that you do. And imitation is the highest form of flattery. It's also the the lowest form of creativity. But, you know, with that being said, your, your work is very seminal, Isaac. You know, you, you do a lot of really great breakdowns and films. And I'm wondering, where did this start? Like, who was your inspiration for, for getting into this stuff? Like, when you did, were there any researchers that you were particularly fascinated with? with anyone that left a big impression on you? That's a, that's a fantastic question, Mark. So when I started, I give, I've given people my, my journey of how I got into this and I'll, I'll do the short version. It was, you know, I was born in, in 79. So I grew up in the eighties and nineties in the nineties. I was casually into X-Files. And at the time that was the most you could, you could, uh, if you're interested in aliens and UFOs, that was kind of it, right? There wasn't a lot out there obviously before the internet, then a buddy in the military of mine got me into Bill Cooper. So I bought Behold the Pale Horse in 2002 and was 
obsessed with it. I was like, wow, this is really interesting stuff. But, it, but even at that time, it all seemed very sensational and it was just kind of more fun and entertainment for me just to, you know, I like to be scared, right? I like horror movies and stuff like that and supernatural elements. And then a buddy of mine, a few years later, gave me a VHS tape of David Icke's Freedom Road, which is one of his earlier lectures. It was, in fact, it wasn't even in front of an audience. That's how early it was in his career. It was him speaking in front of a, like a TV screen or a projector screen or something like that. And that David, I like, I call it my two stage red pill, Bill Cooper kind of, kind of opened up my mind. And then David, I started filling it with all this stuff. And again, I was still very much intrigued by it, but I was still very much casually in disbelief. I was kind of like, well, I don't know. It seems a little crazy. Lizard people, moon matrix, all that stuff. Right. But actually, I don't think he was talking about the moon matrix back then. It was his, the first David, I book I bought. I'm trying to look at it. Human race, get off your knees. I think it's called. That's the one where I read about the moon matrix. So I, I took that with me and then started the blog in 2011, IlluminatiWatcher.com. And at the time I didn't plan on becoming a, a, a truther quote unquote, or even engaging with people on any of this stuff. I just found examples of stuff that David Icke would say in films or music videos or whatever. And I would, in the, in the, in the sloppiest way I ever would sort of convey that in a quick paragraph and a screenshot. And around the same time, I don't know the sequence of events. I feel like it was around give or take a couple years. I was listening to podcasts, which were still pretty new, Greg Carlwood, Freeman and fly. And there was several episodes. I was really into Stanley Kubrick film analysis. Jay Widener was doing several shows talking about this on different podcasts. Mm, yes. So the shining. Kind of the, yeah. The shining clockwork orange, 2001, a space odyssey and so on. Right. And at this time, and, and people know what I'm talking about when you get into all this, it's a lot to take on at once. It, you have to be kind of, you have to marinate in these ideas for years and years and research and it revisit the same material 10 times before it starts to make sense. And at the same, around the same time, also, I, I, when I was blogging, I was looking around for other bloggers that were similar. And I came across jaysanalysis.com, which is, you know, the great Jay Dyer and me and him, I found had very similar interest and very similar views of these ideas. He had, he had kind of a more polished essay style, more of a collegiate sort of professional articles to films and stuff. And I, I think he helped me sort of pull my game together. Cause I saw how he was doing it. I thought, man, that's, that's great. Like, cause I was actually going to grad school at the time and I had done a thesis for undergraduate. I wrote a 150 page communication systems for an engineering project I did. And I thought, well, God, I could write. So I started writing and I wrote a book and, you know, and then, you know, rinse and repeat that for 10, 11 years and get door, you know, I've had several doors shut on me, you know, Google shadow banned me. Cause I used to get I used to get half a million page views a month on my blog. That was like my thing. I was just blogging. And around 2015, they shadow banned me from the front page. So my traffic just took a nosedive. And I have screenshots of all this because I was in a state of disbelief. I thought maybe I did something wrong with the SEO. I, 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 after that, I had paid several people to look at the SEO on my website spent thousands of dollars trying to figure out what the heck went wrong. Why am I not the first result on Google anymore? Cause that, you know, obviously drives all the traffic and 
by the time I got to the third SEO expert who looked at everything, he said, dude, they're just punishing you, man. Like it's part of the algorithm. Like all your paranoia is true. Like it's just, they're punishing you for what you talk about. And I said, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, yeah, I shifted over to podcasting and then YouTube also shut the door on me back in 2016 or 17. I was at about 74,000 subscribers at the time and they, they, they torched my account so that all that stuff <laughs> led my efforts into just podcasting. And I still write books, but podcasting is kind of the, the, the direction everything went as far as my, so, so yeah, it's kind of a weird roundabout way of how things got to where they are. But as far as the podcasting goes and the creation of the podcast, you know, I can't say I have a lot of, I can't say I have a lot of inspirations per se. I think I pick and choose from different other podcasts. Like for example, higher side chats, Greg Carwood, phenomenal show. If you want some information, like you're going to get it, man. Like I saw, I'm on the THC plus feed. So I get the two hours that way. If there's a subject, man, you're going to get it. Oh yeah. I mean, like you're going to be, you're going to be exhausted by the end of the episode because you're going to get all the info you could want. Then you got tinfoil hat, which excels at keeping it moving and keeping the entertainment value up and keeping it funny and that kind of thing. So I'd like to think I'm kind of trying to balance both of those shows out by providing a lot of information with minimal sort of BS. Cause a lot of, you know, I'm the same way I, I go to get information from a podcast and sometimes people will ramble on for 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes about stuff that I'm like, that's not what I'm here for. I want the information. So yeah. And you know, it's, it's a work in progress, right? Like every, every, every year I get a little better at podcasting and I get a little better at trying to front load the information and sort of tease out the the interesting parts. So people stick around, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a, a dynamic that I'm trying to learn as I go here. You're doing great, man. And, and it's Thanks. your work speaks for itself. And, and I don't think you need to be as humble as you are, but you, that's just who you are. So I respect it. And I, I think, you know, that's very humble of you to say. And, and I think with the YouTube, man, it's kind of shocking, you know, and that happened a while ago. So maybe this is a, a little, you know, beating the dead horse. But it's surprising now that we see so many videos in this same vein, in this same style. They're almost ubiquitous now. You have all these like, you know, hoaxes and events that occur. And then, you know, the the classic like Super Bowl halftime show and all the other various, you know, Hollywood set pieces that they put together. You have people sort of doing this slipshod work of, of analyzing this. And what I think is they don't want a guy like you on there because you add some water to this very muddy situation that the amateurs come in and they throw all this muck and they have good intentions, but they end up adding to this, you know, really spectacle that only just serves to shock and awe the average person rather than, you know, enlighten them. So I think that's really why, you know, to that guy's point, they're punishing you because you're not trying to muddy the water. You're not throwing all this random stuff together and saying, you figure it out. You actually have a direction that you take with the symbolism and you point it out and it's consistent and you've, you've kind of arced out many different themes. I mean, Saturn is a theme. You have this Illuminati connection that's prevalent. And, and that word, again, is victim to this effect that we just described, right? So my question, maybe we can branch into this section of the conversation with, you know, who do you think actually comprises the Illuminati? Is it simply these Bilderberger, CFR type elites? 
Is it a more occult faction that's, you know, more ingrained in our home? Because I think we get this idea that it's all European, New World Order. They're, they're off in some, you know, fancy hotel in Belgium and, you know, flying private jets. But do you think it's, it's more homegrown than that? And, and there are people in our cities and towns that are complicit in this agenda? So there's, there's two ideas I have about who the Illuminati is. And, and this is, I'm at a weird sort of fork in the road almost for my, my personal beliefs and spirituality when I, and let, let me give a quick background of my belief system here. So as I, as I wrote about in my first book, actually back in 2012, I was born and raised in a Christian home, attended Christian church. I had a really hard time with it. I didn't like the organized religion about it. I didn't really get along with the people at church. But nonetheless, this concept of Christ and God and Christianity is sort of baked into my being. And I've struggled with this for many years where I've thought, you know, if I'm ever in a plane that's getting some rough turbulence and it's going down, like I'm saying some prayers to God, you know what I mean? But then when I sit back and think about other aspects of it, I think, man, there's a lot of holes in this idea. There's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons why I don't believe this stuff. So I go back and forth, right? And I struggle with it. And it informs my worldview, and I can't help but have that as part of me, even though I disagree with a lot of the concepts I'm supposed to believe in. Like, I'm, I'm pretty much a heretic if you want to, you know, boil it down to my, my beliefs in Christianity. Like, I, my church would be, would be like, dude, like, we don't believe any of that stuff. And I'd be like, yeah, I know. That's why I have a hundred times. So, but I so still show that. up. I want to pray with you guys. I feel the same way. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I did, oh man, who did I do? I interviewed, man, I'm going to, i my, my name is drawn a blank here. I interviewed a guy who was talking about Christ consciousness. So I'm looking at that next, but anyway, that's a whole massive topic. But when I started the blog, it was very much, I think I was overzealous. Right. And, and on my, on my journey of research, the first half to two thirds, I was very overzealous in saying that I believe there's a battle of good and evil, which I do believe in still, but I, but I feel like I may have lumped in a lot of the occult belief systems in with evil. Whereas now I'm kind of understanding like when we say occult or, you know, hidden like the esoteric sciences or whatever you want to call this thing, this alternative belief system of the nature of reality. I think that there's, it's kind of like witchcraft. You've got, you got white and black, right? Like black magic could be used self-centered and to improve one's positioning only white magic could be trying to make the world a better place. But I think for many years, I, I, I labeled when I start with the Illuminati, I was talking about occultists and people who practice ritual magic and people that understand that, more of the nature of reality of our world. And we're talking about the hermetic axiom as above, so below and, and the ideas of ritual magic and creating your own world. I think that there's one element of that in there. I don't know how it fits in. I do know. So like, for instance, the, the magical order, the order Templi Orientis, the OTO that was more or less Crowley's way of having an organization around his religion called Thelema. And it was ritual magic and sex magic and all this stuff. 
they originally, I think it was Carl Kellner, because there was two guys that basically founded the OTO. I think it was Carl Kellner was the one that was actually trying to revive the Bavarian Illuminati. So I say that because it more or less proves that when we talk about the Illuminati, there's an element there of, could it be the occultists that are using ritual magic and trying to create this philosopher stone and this alchemical idea of, you know, unlocking immortality more or less. Like that's one big element of this, but then I've got this other big element where the Illuminati is this, this line of thought leaders. And these are the same people who are the elites or the, you know, the top 1%, the, you know, people going to Bilderberg, people going to Bohemian Grove, And these are the people that I would argue, maybe it's the same thing as the, the white magic, black magic idea. Some of them are just, you know, businessmen trying to make money, trying to make connections, but some of them are into these dark occult forces, the black magic side of the house. And I think that they are also studying the occult and they are also trying to understand this secret knowledge handed down through all these mystery schools and secret societies and they are black magicians in the sense that they're greedy and they're only worried about themselves and they want to use their power and wealth to push symbolism or messages that keep us divided and keep us separated so that they can continue to, you know, have all the power and the wealth in the world. So in conclusion, (laughs) in conclusion, I think that when we talk about the Illuminati, we could be talking about a bit of all of these things. But when I talk about who are the bad guys, I would say that it's the part of the Illuminati that are into the black magic side of things that are just seeking to have a better world for themselves and not everyone else. And they want to keep all this occult knowledge to themselves only and prevent the masses from understanding any kind of way of enlightenment. Wow. Wow. And you know, I think that's really reassuring to hear you say that. And you know, a criticism that I had of your work was that I felt that you might've been lumping that together. Now, given that when you're, when you're just a bystander listening, you're far more critical until you actually get your hands in and start doing it yourself. At that point, I had way more respect for you than I did as just a, an average listener. But I, I see how your point has evolved, and, and I'm with you. I almost feel like I'm sort of coming from a backwards angle in the sense that when I grew up, I had a very similar you know idea about Christianity as to you. But then I started to, when I smoked weed, I started to realize like, oh, they were all lying, and this new age stuff is the truth. And now I'm sort of walking back from that new age stuff, realizing like, okay, maybe that was loaded with some like catch 22s and some dead ends and some traps. And, and now I'm realizing like, to your point, there is a white magic versus black magic war going on. And there are so many elements at play. You really can't just chalk it up to like, oh, well, it's only the Catholics fault or, or it's only the Templars fault or it's only the Freemasons fault. Like it's really a seems like a concert of many different forces working in in, you know, in concert <laughs> at yeah. various stages in history. Yeah, it's pretty maddening sometimes trying to flush out what's what's real and what's not and i and i 
new age dabblings. I've had them for probably 20 years now. I've read several of these new age books, the secret, what the bleep do we know? The alchemist I mean, is, on on. is one you've covered. I think, right. You wrote, put a, you have something on your gum road available. I'm not sure how lengthy it is, but it's, it's about the alchemist. That's another one. Mm-hmm. A lot of people used to recommend that to me when I was younger. Like, oh, you got to read the alchemist. I, I bought it. I never read it. It is one of those <laughs> placeholder books on my shelf, but. Oh yeah, that's really good. It's, it's actually very good. My, my, I wrote like a little mini book on it. Right. And the ideas presented in there are that this is basically an occult initiation into occult ideas and occult thinking. And again, like I said, back in 2015, when I wrote it, 2014, whenever it was, I was a little more overzealous because at the time I was seeing all these symbols and things and it was all very new to me. And I was like, Oh my God, like there's, there's this stuff everywhere. They're, they're baking it into all these things that are feel good. You know, Alchemist is very much a feel good book. It's a very much uh, a book that makes you feel like, you know, you know, try to live positive and do the right thing and, and pursue your, I forget what the terms they use in there. It's been so long since I read it, pursue your will, right? Your Crowley, Crowley calls it the true will. And the guy, Paulo Coelho that wrote it had, some dabblings in with Alistair Crowley himself. So I was pointing all that out in that book and you know, the information still stands where it is, but it's subjective as to how you want to take it. And over the years, I tried to be, I tried to be as neutral with the presentation of the information and the findings as possible, because even way back when I said, look, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm a terrible Christian. I have a hard time with a lot of the beliefs in there, but so I tried to, present the information from a non-biased point of view and just say, look, this is like, for example, you know, Paul Coelho was into Aleister Crowley's writings, period, end of sentence. You know what I mean? It's not, oh, he's worshiping the devil and he's an awful human being because of it. It was just saying like, this is what's happening. Like all of these occult teachings are informing a new worldview. And again, jury's out. I don't know if it's going to be good, bad, better, or worse than the way things have been. I'm a progressive liberal guy. So I'm always advocating for change. I think we should constantly strive to do better. So, and a lot of people would argue against that. A lot of people would argue that, you know, we need to embrace traditional conservative structures. And I think, well, I don't think that was good for everybody. So I always advocate for trying to reform and make things better. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And it is so complicated. it's awesome to hear you evolve your stance and, and what you described in 2015, like I was saying before, that's water, man. That's the, the ability to give a neutral, informative statement like that, even coming from a place where, oh, maybe you have some biases. Everyone does. It, that's the water I'm talking about because so many people, they just throw their opinion in the mix. And then honest, earnest folks who are just trying to sort things out you know, they got to also sort out opinions and I'm not going to you know judge anyone's intellect, but I don't know if everyone's, you know, been trained to discern that, you know, when you read a book, not often do you read the author, right? I think this is something that I learned later in life after school. Somebody told me like, well, you got to read the author, not the book. You have to read what the author, who the author is and, and why they're saying what they're saying. And, and that context is, is so important. And that's, a part of why the media is so confined the way it is and compartmentalized because they want to control the context. The information is, is out there. They know we know about UFOs. They know we know about inside jobs and corruption, 
but it's about packaging that information so that we never really do anything about it. We're just constantly shocked by it, which is why they have to censor folks like yourself who are bringing that clear, clean, straight water, man. I'm telling you, that's what it is. That's the best way I could describe it. But that's, that's, that's what I surmise. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, that's, that's actually a really good point. In fact, I could give you more about, so Johnny Depp, I wrote a book about him several years ago. And, and at the, and at the time when I was blogging, if you, when I, the way I came up with the title for the book, the title book is called Johnny Depp, Vampire, Satanist or Illuminati, right? Very, very like crazy title. And sure, it's kind of a crazy title, but it's how you get people's attention. And then they open the book and then it's a little more rational than that. But at the time I was writing copy for the blog and that's the way you would get to the first page of Google was stuff like that. Put these keywords in there. And I, you know, I had some really weird things happen in my life. So around, man, I think it was like my third book I wrote about Stanley Kubrick called Kubrick's Code. And in it, I made mention to the alchemical idea of the reconciliation of opposites or the Baphomet, right? And in it, I made mention about the occultist Genesis P. Oridge, who, well, he's dead now. They, he goes by the pronoun they. And on my blog, I used to read the comments. Genesis P. Oridge allegedly wrote a comment on a post about the Cooper's Code book and kind of giving me grief. And I was like, this isn't really Genesis PO Ridge. And I told the person, I said, Hey, if you're really Genesis, go on your Twitter and, you know, say, you know, say something with my name or whatever. I turned sure up Genesis did that. I said, Oh crap. That's really Genesis PO Ridge. The guy who's, and he's a very famous artist. He's known for basically birthing the industrial rock movement. He had bands in the sixties and seventies called throbbing gristle and psychic TV was a, another one that, included a project where they would have global centers of magical orders that would coordinate magical rituals to, you know, try to try to boost the energy of the ritual. Yeah. Wow. I never heard of that before. Oh yeah. It's fascinating story. This Genesis character is a fascinating story. He, he was, I think they were married. His late, his, his female spouse or whatever, her name was lady J and she tragically died from, I believe cancer or something like that. But they were in the middle of getting, this is like in the nineties, I think two thousands, they were in the middle of both getting transitionary surgeries to become a unified sex, a gender, uh, excuse me, gender. So like, for instance, he was getting breast implants and you know, I don't know, I don't know what surgery she was getting. I think they were getting like their lips filled and stuff like that. So they would look like each other, but, but Genesis PO were just a very knowledgeable in the occult. Right. Anyway. So I made this weird contact with Genesis that way. And we, we sent back and forth several emails where I would ask about different occult ideas and back and forth. And I, I plan on sort of going through that one of these days on either a show or, you know, maybe write a little mini book about it or something. It was actually really interesting. Well, around this time, I also wrote that Johnny Depp book. And in it, I talked about his connection to Damien Eccles from the West Memphis Three. And if the audience isn't familiar, the West Memphis Three is this case out of Arkansas that 
these three young guys who uh, I don't remember their ages might've been 17 or 18. Damien Eccles and the two right. guys. Yeah. That was, a, that was, they were 16, 17. Yep. Okay. And the they, boys they that were, they, they kidnapped were significantly younger, like half their age, but yeah. 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 They, these, these guys got accused of murdering these little boys and the HBO released several documentaries called Paradise Lost. I think it was like Paradise Lost 1, 2, and 3 or something like that. And I watched those back in the early 2000s. And they do a really good job of presenting the case and saying that the only reason these three young men got arrested was because they were the, you know, supposed devil worshipers in this small southern town in Arkansas that was very conservative. And everyone kind of, you know, knew these guys would wear black Metallica shirts. So they worship the devil, obviously. And it's a satanic panic thing. So it did a really good job of presenting that information. And I was, I was outraged like everyone else. I said, what the hell? You should let these guys out. They didn't do it, whatever. And it also gained the attention of a bunch of celebrities, Eddie Vedder, Johnny Depp, and so on and so forth. I think Dave Navarro even. And they successfully organized to get some legal representation so that Damien Eccles and the two other guys, what's the name? I forget the names, Je- Jesse Miss Kelly or something like that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. These three guys eventually do get out of prison early. They, they did what they call an Alford plea, which basically said they have to admit guilt, but they'll get out for time served. And they did that because apparently there was enough evidence to, I don't know. I don't know the law. The law in America is really goofy. No, to, to a certain extent, they were able to like lessen the sentence they would have gotten by pleading guilty and then also cooperating with whatever the circumstances of their plea bargain was. But yeah, it's, it's, it's state by state. And I think this happened in Tennessee. So, you know, I'm sure Tennessee has its own strange laws like every other state. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, so Damien Eccles gets out and he starts to embrace a lot of these, this occult magic stuff. And, you know, much like I talked about with the rest of my journey back in the, that early time period, I thought, wow, this, this is kind of crazy. Like this guy's into all this stuff turns out. But, and I even said it way back when, like, just cause you're in Alistair Crowley doesn't mean you murder children. So like, there's that. And strangely enough, over the years, I've changed my tune a lot on that. I even read William Ramsey's book that basically William Ramsey's book presents a lot of the interviews and some, you know, evidence, I guess, from the whole case. And I read the book and thought, oh, yeah, Damien Eccles and these two guys did kill those kids. Like, that's pretty crazy. Right. So, like, I go back and forth. No, I hear you, man. And I... I... You know, if, if I learned about Eccles and all that stuff when I was 19, 20, 21 years old, I would have said exactly what you said prior to this swing that you just laid out there. And it's because of how they control the narrative. And I'm so glad you brought that up. And William Ramsey, he's been on this show. I'm sure you've talked to him or you're familiar with his research. He is yeah, really really brilliant with the way he puts that together. I saw Chris Knowles recently do a good breakdown of West Memphis three within his secret son Institute on Patreon. I definitely recommend you check that out. And yeah, Chris Knowles was mentioning a lot of William Ramsey's research and a lot of the 
original case evidence that didn't make it to this whole like you know hollywood set job of like oh yeah these guys are just some poor metalheads that got wrapped up in this crazy nationwide panic that really amounted to nothing anyways don't look into rose valley pennsylvania or any weird places in delaware or anything like that but yeah there's there's a lot of weird stuff i know you mentioned jay widener earlier i i always get him mixed up with Jay Parker, who has much different pedigree as far as what he's researched and what's happened in his life, it's really sad. But yeah, when you understand the the darkness that really could be on the precipice of our society, it's like, geez, you know, I don't, to my earlier point, I don't think the Illuminati is just this, you know, Klaus Schwab guy. It's it's more than that. It's it's here, you know, it, it has its own roots in, in neighborhoods and in, in cities and in, in towns and states here in the United States. And, you know, maybe the West Memphis three was uh, a part of that somehow, I, you know, we, with everything we've learned about MK ultra, how many of these people are patsies that are just unaware that a cult of some kind is, is using them as a, as a, you know, Manchurian candidate of some sort. Yeah, absolutely. That that includes the that Tom O'Neill book about Charles Manson, you know, the chaos book. A lot of weird stuff, man. There's a oh, and then what I wanted to I wanted to wrap back up with the Damien Nichols talk, the West Memphis Three. I've I've seen enough law shows now <laughs> on TV, and I've read enough that now I don't know how much I trust the cops because they will interview someone for you know, 12, 13, 14 hours until they break down and people will falsely admit guilt. So now I question all the things I read in the Ramsey book, not to say that Ramsey's not a great researcher or I doubt what he's saying, but now I, because a lot of the reasons I believed that maybe Eccles and, and crew did that was because of the interviews and stuff where they would admit to it. And I was like, well, why would you admit to it if you didn't do it? Well, there is a reason it's because the cops will beat you down because they want to try to get the confession. So they'll keep you in there and maybe they don't know their their Miranda rights to remain silent or have a lawyer. And, you know, uh, so unfortunately the, there's a lot of, a lot of strangeness involved. And, and, and then on top of that, Damien Eccles recently was petitioning to have some DNA, some new kind of DNA testing done. Cause I, I think they're alluding to the idea that one of the parents actually did it. And the cops in that town refused to do the DNA testing. And I think, man, if, if I'm Damien Eccles and I really killed those kids, I wouldn't be pushing to have more DNA testing done, but he was. Mm. And it makes you wonder why the cops or, or the legal system or whatever won't allow that to happen. If, I mean, aren't they interested in finding the killers? You know, and it, I don't know, man. I think that, like you said, there's a battle for reality and defining reality. And I think that the legal system and the, the police, they have just as much of a vested interest in trying to make it look like everything's under control. And that's one of the big takeaways I found out in, in 2020, when the pandemic hit, everyone turned into a conspiracy theorist because everybody saw that the idea of someone being in control of all this just went right out the window. I mean, it, it, everything boiled down to like, well, what do you believe about the thing when it should be crystal clear, like what we should believe and what medical advice to follow and all that crap. And it became this really vague sort of thing where you had these competing interests going on of, of what you should do and how dangerous things were. And, you know, you talk to people in your real life and you'd hear one story over here and over there. And I, I think it broke a lot of people's brains. 
out there. You know, you, you can't spend two years going through this, this, what do you call it? Like an existential questioning of institutions and organizations that previously you kind of just thought you could trust to do the right thing and to give the right answers and to take care of you. And I think a lot of weird stuff has been happening and, and, you know, you could take this in a million directions. You could take it to the whole idea of a, a new age, hmm. you know, age of Aquarius talk, Aeon of Horus talk, well, Kali Yuga. I do want to, I do want to give you credit for giving us that four dimensional perspective on the Eccles thing, because yeah, as, as much as that information like shocks me and upsets me, like, Oh, these people are doing things to kids, you know, this visceral reaction they're getting out of us. You have to coach that with exactly your fourth point there of, you know, what about the corruption aspect? And, And this guy is pushing for the DNA evidence. I hadn't heard that before. So thank you for, for sharing that. And then, to, to back up your point about COVID, I mean, it was twofold because the people who were awake had this existential crisis, but the people who were asleep were, you know, bombarded with fear and all of this occult symbolism, so to speak, for, you know, two, three years now. And now it's sort of like shifting narratives at such a pace that they're just letting us all, you know, get into the roller coaster th- ride thrill and then forget what happened at the beginning, you know, and we get off the ride, we puke and then we go home, you know, and I think that's kind of unfortunately how most of these events in history play out where we never really see a resolution or justice. And yeah, to your point about corruption, you know, how many of those groups that are participating in black magic have control over the whole county or the whole town? Or I mean, it only takes one sheriff in certain places, you know, to have control over a whole area. You know, we talk a lot about get involved with your local government and, and stop these mandates and stop all this stuff. Well, that's what the, the shadow forces did 100 years ago. You know, they they set up roots and of course, I'm just speculating, you know, but that's that's what I've been sort of digging through, especially with Skull and Bones, you know, and, and, and how this seemingly foreign organization set up shop in what was already a pretty foreign college to the ideas of, of the freedom of America. You know, Yale was always a sort of English monarchical establishment, and it, it stuck around even though the, the colonies got their freedom and it, it sort of invaded the psyche of America over time with this sort of elite establishment royalty type of idea that, that you have over in Europe very prominently. And, and that was a big part of why America was so great, right? We lost the Kings and this whole idea of, Oh, we need one ruler. And, and here we are in the land of the free, but it seems like we're all sleeping masons initiated into these occult reality or not even realities, but parameters of reality. You know, we're given a sort of box to live in and it's research like what you do that helps people sort of poke holes in that box and see the broader reality outside of it. But yeah, man, I know we, we kind of went a little bit all over the place, which is the beauty of these types of conversations, but if we could wrap it into the the Templars somehow, or maybe even just Skull and Bones. I mean, what have you learned about Skull and Bones over your course of, of research? I know you said it's not much compared to what you know about the Templars, but I, I have found a connection between the two groups. 
Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of connections between all of these these schools of thought. The the and and so like when the skull and bones get initiated, supposedly, the candidates get put into a coffin, right? And the they are supposed to be, you know, dying and then being reborn. And this is a the death and rebirth ritual. And this is something you see in a lot of secret societies and you know the Freemasons and so on. And they 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 claim that the ancient Egyptians and the mystery schools back then they used to bury the initiate underneath the pyramids, the Great Pyramids, for three days and then and then resurrect them. And the whole idea was ultimately it's like destruction of the ego and and breaking down the programming of what you think the world is so that they could sort of fill the chalice with the new occult ways of looking at the world. And Julian Huxley was saying that there's the basic element in a, a transmission of changing an entire culture or transforming them is always going to be psychological. You have to do it through the mind and people aren't aware that they're participating in the ritual. And that's what a lot of the, the, you know, cause my show focuses on a lot of, more lighthearted entertainment. Like I'll do film analysis where you see these concepts in films or award shows when they do performances, you know, if, if the theory fits, I'll talk about it. It doesn't always seem to be the case, but you, you see this in a lot of, a lot of rappers cause I'm a hip hop guy. So I've seen a lot of, you know, rappers come and go that have shown us this symbolism, you know, all the way back to Tupac and big, talking about how they're going to die, you know, Big's album ready to die. And then they died all the way up to triple X temptation who his last video was him lying in a coffin and being, you know, being reborn, but these rituals and, and you could tie this for a more rational example, the years of the, the, during the pandemic, you know, especially at the beginning, a lot of people were living in a state of fear as you know, I wasn't myself when you didn't know what the heck this thing was, is this going to be, like, you know, Captain Tripp's virus from the stand, or are we all going to die? You know, nobody knew at first. So you have this global mass induction of fear of death, which is very similar to, you know, skull and bones. It's, it's you, basically the whole world was put in inside of that casket, inside of that coffin. And then it plays out. The ritual is the psychodrama and it changes the whole world and alters the minds. And it activates parts of your mind that you aren't even aware are being activated. And, and look, I, I'm no, I'm no neuroscientist. I, I don't understand how all of this works, but they study, you know, Freud and young and all these people that really do understand how this works, but it's also part of like an alchemical transmutation. They transmit symbols and ideas and, this information, this, this, this transmission happens and society comes out from the ritual reborn into a new, new world. And I think the reason why, and, and I, and I kind of play both sides of this fence because some people will say, Oh, the whole thing's fake, you know? And some people say, Oh, there's definitely a band. It was made it in a thing and released and on purpose and all that. Right it could be a little bit of both. It could be honestly a thing that happened, but then the Illuminati decide like, look, now's a good time as any, let's go through this, this mass psychodrama ritual uh, because they know where they want to take the new world. 
And this is evident from, you know, talk about age of Aquarius, Alistair Crowley talked about the Aeon of Horus, the traditionalists. I did, I did, I did four shows on QAnon and talking, and then I did two shows on Russia, dark arts, where we looked at this philosophy called traditionalism that's embraced by a lot of these alt-right figures, Putin, his right-hand man, Alexander Dugan, who is the, the brains behind the traditionalist movement, Steve Bannon, who's a follower of all this stuff, who was, you know, Trump's campaign manager. And I think he was, I don't think Trump is into all the dark arts, but I think he is interested in gaining power through whatever they're trying to get done is what I think. But anyways, all these sort of figures on this alt-right side of the house, they know there's a new age coming. They call it the Kali Yuga. And they're, they think that if they can sort of set up, set up shop properly and sort of get their, their pieces in position that they can be in charge of this new world. And the unfortunate part about traditionalism is it's an, it's a rejection of what they call materialism, a rejection of the modern way of living. And they wanted to go back to all, you know, you know, white male patriarchy, a time before technology, the, you know, kind of some crazy stuff, but this is a real thing. If people look it up, they'll see it. And it's kind of alarming when you see, if you follow current events, when you see all these sort of pieces kind of fitting together and no one's really talking about it on, on the news, why I don't know. Like if I'm, if I'm the democratic party and CNN, I, that's what I would blast all day is like, Hey, these guys have a higher agenda and it's not going to be good for, you know, people that don't fit into their paradigm of who's the superior person, but it's very clear that that's what's happening. But anyways, I think that that's just one example of what, what I'm saying is I think sometimes events happen and sometimes there's battling groups trying to battle for control and power and that that would just be one example and you could you could take that to the other extreme and you could say well you know there's also a group that's trying to create this you know utopian uh genderless society or whatever right like and, and you wouldn't be wrong there either like there's there's an element there too so it's you know it's, it's a lot to take in a lot to look at Hmm, absolutely. And when it comes to skull and bones, you know, we look at their emblem, the thigh bones and the skull itself. You have this sort of idea of decapitation or maybe even certain figures in history whose skulls were used for certain purposes. Have you run into any occult rituals that involve this sort of thing? Decapitation or or even like the, the St. John the Baptist thing where they use this skull as an oracle? Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that the Templars, they supposedly found the Holy Grail. And one of the ideas of what the Holy Grail was, was the skull of St. John the Baptist and it had magical powers. That's one idea. And I've also read, I think it was Bill Cooper talked about this on his Mystery Babylon series, that the Knights Templar would be buried with their legs crossed, uh, which is where the skull and bones apparently got the whole idea from to have a, you know, the the, bone, the thigh bones, right? And they put them on the gravestones of the, the Templars. Another idea I've heard about the skull would be the, and this goes into some really kind of out there stuff. If you read Mark Booth's The Secret History of the World, he talks about what he claims to be, oh, you got that there, there you go. If you remember, he talks about the 
the occult understanding of the history of the world. And one of the ideas he presents is that through evolution, man in its current form, like the reason that, you know, homo sapiens sapiens are the, the, I don't know, what do you call it? Like the, not the apex predator, but like the, the highest form of consciousness of life on earth is because of our frontal lobes. And you wouldn't get that frontal lobe through evolution without the skull that was able to encase the brain so that it could evolve and form into what it currently is. And the idea that Booth presents, and this is my paraphrasing from reading it eight years ago or whatever, was that the, you needed the dead because the skull is like dead material is how they view it. So without death, you can't have life without the skull. You can't have the formation of the brain and the higher form of consciousness. So in a way they look at death as a necessary evil. And this goes into like a lot of that Saturn worship stuff, you know, Saturn bringing about the time and constraints and all that stuff. Yeah, man, absolutely. And, you know, I'm so glad you brought that up and don't give yourself any discredit because I read that book eight years ago, too, and I couldn't even pull that out of the ether. So, yeah, that that was spot on and it fits into something that I was reading about. There's a, a man named George Hegel. He was a prominent scholar in the University of Berlin and. The founders of Skull and Bones spent their uh, junior summer, you know, after junior year in Germany learning and, and studying. It might have been a semester abroad or something like that. I don't think they had that back then, but it, it was that concept. And when they came back to Yale for their senior year, they started Skull and Bones based off of a lot of what they had been inspired in Germany by George Hegel, right? And there's a whole publishing journal called the owl of minerva and it's a hegelian journal and it's distributed by the university of chicago loyola i think that's a sub college within the university of chicago never been to chicago and within this book they're arguing all this stuff about why hegel's right they love hegel there's all these professors from all these different schools and this is you know over the past 60 years this journal's been publishing But I found something in there that was very interesting. It was a theory arguing Gaia. This professor, whoever he was, said, this is why Gaia is wrong. And his whole argument was basically what you just said. And it's very interesting how you put it. It was a little different than how they put it. But their idea is Gaia is not a living thing because death is what initiates life. If, If it wasn't for creatures dying, there'd be no fuel, no nutrition for the rest of life to to move on and and prosper so yeah it's a very interesting like death forward way of seeing the regenerative properties of life but yeah it seems like hegel was a big inspiration and i haven't looked much into where he learned all this stuff but i imagine the universities in germany had mystery school aspects to them yeah it's it's fascinating this skull i had it seems like seems like Germany is a hotbed for a lot of this, you know, called teachings and alchemy and all this stuff. Mm, right. Right. Yeah. It goes back to the, the Teutonic Knights and Rome and Germany are synonymous to some degree because that's, I mean, the history of Germany was born out of Rome. So yeah, it's, it's a lot, man. I, I mean, I know we're coming down to the, the last minutes here, but when it comes to 
your work and and the world today what keeps you moving forward what keeps you motivated i mean are you working towards a, an ideal or do you have a resolution in mind or are you happy you know going through the 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 course you've set for yourself because you're a trailblazer i mean not many people can go and pay off their college debt doing something as cool as this so you know yeah I, no, no doubt man Thank what you. keeps yeah, you going you know i i couldn't tell you man and i couldn't tell you the one thing that that I, I know that if if all my funding would get pulled out from under me, I would still do it. So like, it's not about trying to make an income exactly. So I, so I'm like, well, it's not that. It's not necessarily like, oh, I want this huge following because I want to have so many you know downloads. Like, that's nice. I like that. It's cool. Like, I'm coming up on 10 million downloads here, but this year I'll hit 10 million downloads, which is damn to do. You know and my uh, streak in my podcast, I didn't even have the, the trophy for it. So, damn, I hit the wrong really? button by accident. I meant to give you an applause because ten million oh. is fucking awesome. So, sorry for that yeah. stupid sitcom laugh track, but yeah, that was great. <laughs> ten million, dude. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah, it's it's crazy, right? And 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 that, all that stuff is great. I don't know. I, I don't know what it is that keeps me going. I think it's honestly, the material is super interesting to me. I think I'm trying to understand. I've always been into the subcultures. I've always been fascinated by these sort of, you know, the dark recesses of things and, and the, the, the road less taken. So the subject matter is what fascinates me. And it's this never ending rabbit hole, you know, and, and I've just, I, you know, I've only niched out this, idea of understanding occult philosophies. That's, that's just been one little piece of this. I, I started out with a really wide net, which, you know, I've got this, what they call it, the great awakening poster behind me on my wall. And I think I look at that thing and I think, dude, if I ever like ran out of material to talk about, like, there's no way I, I could look at just one subject on here and spend 10 years trying to research and, and, and convey the ideas behind it. So I don't know, man, there's, there's something to this community, this sort of, this rebellious conspiracy sort of group that draws me in. So I, I, I don't know what exactly fuels me. It's just, it, it's in my DNA. I think. Absolutely, man. And please don't take that as discouraged, man. I'm just curious, you know, and I think that's, that's awesome in itself. I, I haven't heard of the great awakening poster, but it looks interesting. I was curious what that was. Who made that? I don't know who made it. It was around the time that like the QA, ironically, I don't believe in the QA non thing for what it is on its, on its head, but around that time, the website's still up. In fact, I just looked at I think it the it's, other day. Is it Dylan Monroe? Does that name ring a bell? I thought I saw, uh, saw Greg interview familiar, a guy like that. I, I, I couldn't tell you. I, I know that there's like knockoffs on Amazon, but I went to the actual website. It's a, it's a great poster, man. It's got all this, all the different conspiracies. I mean, they're all there yeah. pretty much, but yeah, it's, it's, and you know, it tries to like sort of connect them and, and lump them together. So it's, it's an interesting take on it for sure. But yeah, there's, there's so much to learn in this. Like I, I feel like you could spend, three lifetimes trying to understand all these topics. Absolutely. Well, and, and that poster, I'm sure if it isn't Dylan Monroe, maybe it's inspired by this other guy. You've seen the always sunny in Philadelphia meme with the red strings and the, <laughs> the poster board, you know, that concept. Well, there was a really well-known artist who I can't remember his name other than the fact that he had the word Mark as either a last name or a, fr a first name. And he created this style of art that people hadn't seen before. And it was essentially what you have behind you, just pieces of information. And he 
was investigating some really huge conspiracies. A lot of it was already, you know, published information that he put together in this sort of graphic way. And at that time, you know, there was no PowerPoint. There was no like, you know, computer program that made this kind of stuff easy. So he was just like drawing it all out, making these big conspiracy infographs, piecing it all together. And yeah, it's become sort of a, a well-known icon without really the author getting any credit it almost makes you wonder it's kind of like the satoshi nakamoto vibe where they have like this you know unknown author or even shakespeare himself right where where you have this argument on whether it was really william shakespeare or possibly francis bacon or who else who knows <laughs> but isaac yeah. this has been a philosophical interesting conversation and i couldn't expect anything anything less from a guy like you with your you know decade plus of research and many 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 volumes you know different books for people to go and check out tell people one last time you know where they can find your work and and what they can expect from you i know you said you're sort of in a midpoint right now you're not working on any new projects particularly but uh, yeah what can people find when they go over to your your gum road and all that the, uh, okay, so I've got, depends on what they want to do, right? So I've got the podcast that I update every week, Conspiracy Theories in an Unpopular Culture. That'll be where most people will find something they like. I've covered all kinds of movies and uh, all kinds of stuff. I mean, current events, you name it, it's on there. So I've got the podcast. I've got an Instagram, instagram.com backslash Isaac Weishop. And then I've also got, I've got a link tree it's called, it's, it's actually called allmylinks.com backslash Isaac W. And they can link to all these things we're talking about. We talk about my podcasts, my books that I've written on Amazon. They're on audible. I've got the Gumroad store where you can get signed copies. I've got t-shirts I sell in the Gumroad store. I'm actually out of most of the sizes. I've got more coming in, but yeah, if they just go to allmylinks.com backslash Isaac W, they can find jump off points to all the things we've talked about. And yeah, man. And I'm also on Rockfin, obviously Patreon. I'm on a Patreon. Uh, they can find all those links, but yeah. And you're doing great work too, Mark. Like you're kicking butt over there, man. I, I see your shows you. coming because I subscribe to your podcast too, you know? Thank you. I think, man, you're, you're hitting some big names on there, man. I got to take some notes from you. Thank you, man. Yeah. I mean, geez, if you ever, if you ever are interested in doing more interviews, let me know. I'd love to put some guests in your email box and help you get some introduction. I mean, one person who, if you are not already aware, I definitely recommend buying his book is Michael Hoffman. I mean, ever since I've interviewed him, I've had even more confidence in his research and, and yeah, he's really interesting. Yeah. I've, I'm actually like most of the way through his secret societies book. Right on. Fascinating. Yeah. He's really good at it. Yeah. So you're already up on it. Cool. Glad to hear yeah, that. Yeah. He's, he's an old school guy, huh? He's been around for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And he's kind of up your way in your neck of the woods. So maybe yeah, okay. it'd be a good connection to make for you. I think. Yeah. And his second book that I read is twilight language. Fantastic. You know, that came out in 20, oh, there goes my dryer. <laughs> that came out in 2021. So he does touch on like some of the Ovid stuff and all that. So yeah, man. But cool. Thank you, brother. I appreciate the compliments coming from you. I mean, you were like, I told you the first time you were here, you're one of the many people that inspired me to get into this, you know, listening to your several interviews on Greg Carlwood's show. I'm also a plus member. 
I was like, wow, this is crazy, you know, and you, you stand out among the rest. Obviously, Carlwood Show isn't your only appearance that I listen to because you know me with Tinfoil Hat. I listen to all your appearances there, too. So, uh, yeah, you always stood out, man. And it's really surreal for me to to know you and, and talk to you like this. So it's a pleasure and it's all mine. And, and I'm so glad you're here for this. So, ladies and gentlemen listening, thank you for being here. Go support the man, Isaac Weishaupt. There's many different shows in different varieties and enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now. And that is another episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Big thank you to Isaac Weishaupt for joining us yet again on the show. Fun fact, Isaac is actually from the area that Tara and I just drove down to. We went to Gnome Countryside. You might have heard me talk a bunch about this in previous episodes. If you're listening to this and going backwards, uh, you'll hear me talk about it. And the trip was awesome. We enjoyed our time and our stay at Gnome Countryside. We went down to the creek, swam with the Amish, and then we went on a trip to the Susquehanna River, jumped around on these big rock islands that are in the river. Tara and I had many great moments exploring. Mike and I went and looked out at the crossroads under the stars. There's so many awesome things. If you want to hear more details about our trip, go over to your handbook for the apocalypse. You can find that on the Susquehanna Alchemy RSS feed. That's right. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can find the other podcasts that I do. Just search S-U-S-Q-U-E-H-A-N-N-A Alchemy, A-L-C-H-E-M-Y, Susquehanna Alchemy, and subscribe and go in deep. We have almost 40 episodes of that show, plus other shows that Mike does with Ross Ben and his own solo YouTube presentations, which I converted to audio for your convenience. So yeah, please go check that out. And while you're at it, check out the other podcasts that I do, Free Thinker Society. We just put a live podcast out. Uh, Sam Tripoli and Tommy G were there live at the dojo in Morris Plains, New Jersey. You missed out. We did that. Then we went down to Pennsylvania and it was a hell of a trip. I really appreciate everybody who supported. Big shout out to Davey Rose and John W. You guys really helped out big time and everyone else who contributed. Uh, thank you. The amazing time that we had inspired at least the finishing the, of this scene, the beginning rather, of scene, the synchromystic exploration of the ever expanding now. And Tara and I will be creating more editions of the scene for you to read. But the first edition is out now. If you didn't donate, then you can get it on the Kofi store. So go and check the link. It's in the description of this episode and will be for from here on out for future episodes. Uh, and if you did donate in the past few weeks, Please make sure you send me your email if you have not already received your PDF copy. Also, keep in mind that if you would like to help kickstart the uh, paper copy or the physical copy of the book, I could use more help. So just, yeah, 
buy a copy of, of the PDF or support with a donation on Kofi and get that physical copy out soon. But I think this is going to be a seasonal project. Every season we'll have a new edition of the scene. Uh, so we're going to start working on fall's scene and hopefully get those out at the beginning of the season rather than in the middle like we did this time. Uh, but hey, this is how we're kicking it off as we roar our way into Leo time, the Leo time of the year. Big shout out to all of our upcoming guests. We've got a lot of great conversations coming up, and I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Isaac Weisop. Make sure you support on the Patreon if you want to get early releases of every episode, never any ads or anything like that. We're entirely supported and funded by our audience. Uh, I definitely would appreciate a sponsor if a sponsor is listening, but either way, we can't do this show without you. So if you find value in the podcast, bring some value back my way by signing up on Patreon, supporting us on Rockfin, or supporting us with a one-time donation. And of course, you can get a copy of the scene and that helps out as well. Get a PDF, check it out and it's really meant to be a guidebook for you to use um, as you explore this summer. So go out there, enjoy wherever you are in the moment. Enjoy the moment wherever you are in the net. Terrestrial, trying to stay human in a cesspool of professionals. But I confess too much off of the tongue. All my aunties and my uncles shield the ears of the young. I be saying shit and they don't know where it's coming from. In like a hundred years, we went saw a bomb from guns. Check the facts, check the Fed, check the stars. Stanley Mines was murked for a water fuel cell car. They each they own, you could stick with your old ways. But eat the rich and drink the motherfucking Kool Aid. And I can see the red on your lip stain. White skin, blue collar, pure American made. Fuck it. You can keep your blood so terridish And run the soul off the moon landed narrative Yeah, my girl thinks that I'm embarrassing My folks think I'm nuts but never question the parenting Stuck in bed so my boss thinks I'm lazy Connecting dots but it's all kinda hazy Good morning in the net feeling like I'm Dick Tracy My pack thinks I'm un-American and shady I'm feeling unhinged lately Encounters of the fifth kind on the daily You could tell me that the president's an alien It wouldn't phase me My family thinks I'm crazy Think that I'm off in the deep end. Want too many Netflix docs on the weekends. But check the budget for our military defense. Tell me we ain't scared of something not within reason. Steel beams, another 1492. And 9-11 was the red, white, and blue. And you be lit off the floor, riding ain't got a clue. All your dreams just shit on a Rockefeller shoes. Don't believe a damn thing a politician ever said. Ain't one brick left to gold up in the Fed. They still got bricks of cocaine to make crack. Oxy's killing the working class, FDA's whack. Talking like this, got kids talking behind backs. Too much to unpack, so they talk smack. And I'm just trying to converse with my clan, but it ain't fan. So I'm here setting up camp. Stuck in bed, so my boss thinks I'm lazy. Connecting dots, but it's all kind of hazy. Good morning in the net, feeling like I'm Dick Tracy. My pack thinks I'm un-American and shady. Yeah, I'm feeling unhinged lately. Encounters of the fifth kind on the daily. You could tell me that the president's an alien, it wouldn't phase me. My family thinks I'm crazy. Baby, baby, baby. My family thinks I'm crazy. Maybe.
some of us that's lazy. And, and, and that's what it's all kind of hazy. Come on, you get in there, feeling like I'm Dick Tracy. My pap thinks I'm on the marriage and it's shady. I'm feeling unhinged lately. Encounters of the fifth kind on the table. You can tell me that the president's an atheist and wouldn't phase me. My family thinks I'm crazy. Anything out, so you know.